This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grinded Podcast. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the Grinded Podcast. The, the second thing that I, I wanted to talk about uh, was John's reverence for Jesus. In verse 7, he says, and this it was his message. And this is what he's preaching when he's out there in the wilderness. After me comes the one more powerful than I. In other words, he, like you said a while ago, he, he prepared the way. That was John's mission. That's why God sent John out to the wilderness, to, to prepare the way for Jesus. And so he knew that. That's why he said, in, uh, was it John 3, when he says, I must decrease and he must increase? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But John knew his mission. He knew his place. He knew his role. And he never had an issue with that. But he says, after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John says, this guy that's coming is more powerful than I am. He says, I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandals. And I thought I said, no big deal. I mean, you know, hey, just untie the shoes and, you know, slide them off and throw them to the side or whatever. But John says, I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandals. I shouldn't even be at his feet whatsoever. Which was equating himself with a, a slave. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because that was a slave's job to to wash feet. Um, not someone that was equating themselves with the Messiah. Yeah. Sure. Think about that. He was certainly humbling himself in his own estimation. And the reason why I bring this out is because um, we have a tendency as people to kind of, oh, I forgot, the, I just lost the words in my head. But we just think Jesus, you know, remember that doll, my buddy? Mm-hmm. My buddy, my buddy. Yes. My buddy and me. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm too young for that. <laughs> Well, they had a doll back in the late 70s, early 80s. It's called My Buddy. And, and we tend to think as Jesus is our buddy, like our homie. Far too casual. And Way casual. far too casual, yeah. Um, well, Shelby, you said, uh, you know, what, or was it you that said the big man in the sky? Yeah. Makes me think of Lucy in the sky with done. Lucy in the sky. But people say that all the time, the big man in the sky. Uh, the big man upstairs, you know, whatever. Um, but 29 times in the book of Isaiah, God is identified as the Holy One of Israel. Mm-hmm. God in the Old Testament is identified 29 times just in the book of Isaiah alone as the Holy One of Israel. Uh, like in uh, chapter 1, verse 4, they have despised the Holy One of Israel. In chapter 12, verse 6, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Talking about God. In verse, in chapter 41, verse 14, your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's bring that over into the New Testament because what does that have to do with Jesus? Well, 
In John chapter 6, Jesus has just fed the 5,000, which was more like 10 to 15,000, because that didn't include women and children. And these people are following him around, right? And they want to make him a king. And Jesus starts saying this weird stuff. You got to eat my flesh. You got to drink my blood. You're like, you? Crown thinning sermons. <laughs> Girls, this guy's nuts. And so they begin to leave one by one. All these people who wanted to make him a king by force, now they're turning around and walking away. Uh, and one of the saddest verses in the Bible is John chapter 6, verse 66. And, and that's talking about the people walking away. And then Jesus turns to his disciples, his 12 disciples, and he says, do you want to go away as well? You going to walk away too? You 12 that I've handpicked, I've chosen you guys for this special mission, you going to leave too? And here's Peter's reply. Now remember, in the Old Testament, God's known as the Holy One, uh, uh, the Holy One of God, over and over again. Um, in John 6, 67, it says, Peter's reply to Jesus when he says, do you want to go away as well? Peter replies, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of Israel, or the Holy One of God. You are the Holy One of God. So he, he by that statement, Peter just placed Jesus as God, as one of the Trinity, or however you want to say the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all throughout the Old Testament. He's equating him with... Mm -hmm. He's equating him with God. Adonai Sebaoth. Yeah. In John chapter 8, verses 57 through 59, Jesus is having a conversation with some Jews who uh, want him dead. They're literally fixing to pick up stones and try to stone him. <clears throat> and... They, they, they say to Jesus, you're not even 50 years old, which would be an old man back in those days. No, he's, he's 30, 31-ish, somewhere around there. He says, you're not even 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Because this is the conversation that they were having. Jesus is claiming you know, that Abraham knows him. And they're like, there's no way. You're, in, you're 30 years old. There's no way Abraham could, how, how could you see Abraham? Jesus says, truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, right? yeah. About, yeah, before Abraham was ever even born, the father of the Jews, right? I am. I am. And at this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Mm -hmm. So here's Jesus. So Peter has equated Jesus as God. Right, the Holy One of Israel, or the Holy One of God. And here's Jesus, just by saying these two words, before Abraham was born, I am. Mm -hmm. Which is what I mentioned a while ago when Moses was making up his excuses. And he says, who do the people say, but, you know, who do I tell the people that sent me? And God said, I am that I am sent you. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what you tell them. And then here's Jesus saying those exact words. So when Jesus said, I am. Before Abraham ever was, I am. Those people knew exactly, those Jews knew exactly what he was saying. Mm -hmm. Which is why they picked up the stones. Right, and stoned him for blasphemy. Yeah. 
but but John is saying here after me comes the one more powerful than I am the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit something that John couldn't do and that reminds me you remember uh, we was talking about this other night about Aquila and Priscilla remember what they had to do with the pilots Mm -hmm. teach teach him the the way more perfectly yeah because he's explaining things he he was he was preaching about jesus but he was preaching john's message and he was baptizing people in the name of john mm -hmm. <laughs> he wasn't baptizing in the name of jesus because when apollos was baptizing people the holy they wouldn't receive the holy spirit they had no idea and so Aquila and Priscilla heard this guy's message. They're like, well, he's spot on with his message, but his baptism was a little off because he was baptizing like under John's baptism. Can I read a little bit about John's baptism? This is just from my footnote. John's practice of baptism, baptizing those who came to him in repentance was so characteristic sorry, of his ministry that he became known as the Baptist or the baptizer. Yeah. Um, he was preaching repentance baptism i.e. baptism that was preceded or accompanied by repentance. Baptism was not new to John's audience. They knew of baptism for Gentile converts. So people who were being converted from... To Judaism? Yeah, yeah. from being a Gentile into Judaism, but had not heard that the descendants of Abraham, the Jews, needed to repent and be baptized. Yeah, that's totally new for them. Because they're under the Abraham... The, the, right. The hey, we're good, right? Yeah. We, we've yeah. been circumcised. Exactly. Which is Paul's. The whole when we went through Romans, that was his message right. there. Yeah. But going back to the original thought, we we just tend to think of Jesus as you know our friend, which he is our friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Right. So I don't mean to, to, to say that he's not a friend. He is a friend. But do we have the, the reverence mm -hmm. for Jesus, for God, as we should? And I would have to say I'm guilty sometimes of saying, no, I don't. I tend, you know, a lot of people just run to Jesus when they're in trouble. You know, when, when something hard comes into their life. And so we don't we don't have that reverence for Jesus the way we should. I mean, this, this dude sits at the right hand of the Father. Mm -hmm. He has all authority. He can speak a word and change the situation in just the blink of an eye. Yeah. He's all powerful. He's all he's all knowing. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. It's pretty holy. But at the same time, he walked by our side. He walked with, he's inside of us. He walked with us several ways. Right. Times. I think that's where the balancing act has to come into play because Jesus presented even the Father, saying our Father was was a different concept for the Hebraic mindset. They they saw God as holy. Um, they wouldn't even but write they his didn't, name. But they right, and even even now, a lot of um, even Messianic. Uh, believers leave the vowels out of his name. They'll say G dash D. Even just saying God. Um, or they'll use Adonai 
um, or some yeah. of the other the other words that mean Lord because Yahweh is so so holy, um, so holy yeah. right um, which is how we, right so there's there's a balance between okay he yes he is holy but he is also approachable yeah yes he um, is we are to respect and, and reverence him to fear his name to give him glory and honor him for who he is for his holiness his righteousness his goodness but he is also approachable and knowable on a personal level mm-hmm. which is a hard balance to strike sometimes but obviously jesus did it and um I think we we can have that awe and that reverence and that fear of the Lord, yet know Him personally. Yeah. Hebrews one says in the verse one in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways, but in in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom we appointed heir of all things. And through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And then John talks about in John 1 that Jesus being God in the flesh, he said, we can reach out and touch this guy. That's how personable he is. Going back to what you were saying, he's, we have we, theomai. It's, it's it's the word we get our word theater, is the word that's used there. When he, when he says he he dwelt among us, that the, it's tabernacle. It goes back to the Old Testament tabernacle when God's um, glory came down in the form of a cloud and filled the tabernacle. That's what John is saying in John one fourteen. He says we could reach out and touch this guy. He he was God in the flesh. We had conversations with him. We ate fish with him. We drank wine with him. We we just he was just an ordinary dude, which is why the Jews would reject him, and the, the religious leaders would not have anything to do with him because they had different expectations. Mm-hmm. And you see this all through the gospel, and we'll see this as we get into Mark, I'm sure. Um, but they just had a different expectation of who the Messiah was going to be. And Jesus shows up an ordinary dude, dressed as an ordinary dude, and he hung out with pe- just ordinary people, sinners. You know, he was eating at, at tax collectors' homes. Matthew threw big parties for him and invited all his tax collector friends. And, and these religious people, they hated the, the tax collectors. They would never eat a meal. Well, if this, if this woman knew who this man was, he wouldn't let her wash his feet, you know, with his ointment. Jesus knew who she was. Yeah. That's how personable that he is, that he would allow her to do that. That, that he hung out with people like that. But at the same time, we don't want to lose the, that reverence, mm-hmm. you know, respect. You know, like the church in Acts chapter 1, the, the awe they had at the power of God. Mm-hmm. And do we have that awe when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to God? You know, or do we just, you know, he's our buddy to hang out with. I want you to do me a favor. Now, I know you listen to some good music, but I want to tell you about some great music. My friend Mary Gamboa 
and she's also the worship leader at Authentic Church where I worship. She has released a new album entitled Jealous, and you can check that album out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary G-A-M-B-O-A music.com. Also, we would love to have you worship with us at Authentic Church at 322 Lindsay Street here in Alcoa, and we start at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Come see us. So then, like you said, you said a good word there, the balance. There's a balance. He, he's holy. At the same time, we can we can go before his throne of grace in prayer, mm-hmm. in times of help, in time of need. But at the same time, he says, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And he lives in us. The Father and the Son lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, so he, he's not some God that's way up in the sky, but he's personable. He's right here with us. Even right now, as we do the podcast. Right. For two or three gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of it. And as John says in verse 8, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can get into another time about baptism of the Holy Spirit and what that means. But but Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of us as believers, being baptized, dumped into him, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and what, what that means. That was a totally different experience from what they were they were going through with John in that baptism of repentance. But Yeah. And that, that goes back to what I was saying a while ago about Apollos, because Apollos, he couldn't pass on the Holy Spirit because he was baptized under John's baptism. Mm-hmm. With Jesus' baptism, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's, you know, these signs will follow. You know. Come on. <laughs> um, Shall we go on tonight? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Hey, uh, but before you, before we move on, um, in the Matthew's Gospel, Matthew says he'll baptize you with with the Holy Spirit and, and with fire. Fire. And if you look up that word fire, it's talking about hell. Mm-hmm. So in other words, Jesus, Jesus, he he has the he is the one who can save you or put you in hell. <laughs> You know, so he, he has that authority. There better be an awe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some reverence. Yeah. So we want to move on to the last point? Or do you have something else you want to add to that? You good? Yeah. All right. So the, the, the last thing that I want to talk about is uh, the affirmation that God the Father gives Jesus his son. Um, we have uh, John baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River and the Spirit comes down in the form of a dove from heaven and it lands on Jesus, which was a signal to John to know that this is the one. This is the Messiah. This is the one that we've been looking for for a long, long time. All three, Over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. And it, 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 the time is now. Here he is. Mm-hmm. The kingdom is at hand is what the gospels would say. Um, in verse 11, we hear God giving affirmation to Jesus, uh, who is his son. And a voice came from heaven, Mark writes, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And, and so one thing that... Um, that I said earlier at the beginning, you know, the spoiler alert at the beginning of the podcast, as how uh, 
I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with the father's, uh, the father wound. Uh, John Eldridge um, done a whole big thing about this many years ago. Wild at Heart mm -hmm. is the name of the is the name of his ministry. Ministry, yeah, yeah. and it's really really good. Um, but our kids, our children, both boys and girls, they, they need our affirm affirmation, especially as fathers, right. because if you think about it. They're, they're, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's an ungodly amount of homes that are fatherless. Mm -hmm. The dad is nowhere to be found. And the children either don't even know who their dad is, or they know who their dad is, but their dad don't have anything to do with them. I, I, don't even, I couldn't even fathom that. You know? um, and so, our, our, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I, this, and I guess one of the reasons why this stands out to me is Jesus getting affirmed by his fathers because I never got that. I never, you know, as I mentioned in other podcasts, and to y'all, my dad committed suicide when I was three. I don't even know what his voice sounds like because the little 35 millimeter reels of video that we have were silent. So I, I don't know what his voice sounded like. And, uh, and then my stepdad, um, my mom remarried when I was five, and my stepdad was a jerk. I mean, he, you know, he beat me all the time and, you know, until I peed my pants. And he always told me, you, you'll never amount to anything. You're basically worthless. And and the only time that I remember him telling me that he loved me is because I told him first. And I don't even remember why I told him, I guess, just to see if I could get a response out of him. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but he was not a good dude at all. Right. And, um, and so I never got that. I never got the affirmation from my dad. Mm -hmm. You know, I got it from my mom. All the time, I'm a, mom, I'm a mama's boy. If you hadn't learned that by now, <laughs> I'm talking to her a few times. But but, uh, but my brother basically was my dad. And I always tell him I'm his Timothy, and he would say, "Yeah, he was my Paul." Um, but you know, at 13 years old, my brother had to become an adult basically and help raise my sister and and, and me. Uh, but I never got that affirmation. Well, and we've, we've talked about just in our own personal lives, mm -hmm. it is sometimes uncanny to me how much we crave, even as adults, we crave affirmation from our parents. Um, and when that comes in a healthy way, it's good. Yeah. It, um, it is something that gives us security and confidence and, and boldness. But when it doesn't come, we often seek to fill that void with other things, whether it's affirmation from other people, uh, or we seek to fill it with substances, or um, by being productive. Look at me, look at what I can do, look at, you know, because we want that, um, yeah, I guess there's affirmation from from what we've done, what we've produced, how we work, what we, what we are able to to do, um, so I think it can become very unhealthy how we seek to get that affirmation. But you can see throughout the scriptures, you know, what did um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob do as they knew that they were about to die? Oh, they blessed their children. Right. Yeah. How important was that? I mean, we look down at Jacob and Esau, you know, when Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew and how we're like, well, why is that a big deal? No, it was a big deal. The, the, especially the oldest son 
not only did he um, get the, the blessing of the father, but he was kind of commissioned by the father to take care of the rest of the siblings, right? right? To take care of, especially the women in the family. Hey, this is now your job. This is your duty. This is why you get an extra portion of the inheritance because you are now responsible for taking care of the rest. Good point. Right? And when, when uh, we don't get that affirmation from our fathers, we seek to fill it elsewhere. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, like for young women, they're going to find it some dude. Right. And, and, and bad things are going to happen. Yeah. And, and young men are going to turn to a woman who, you know, or a girl who says, you know, you know, I love you, I'm, you know, whatever. And, uh, and or, or we'll fill it with, like you said, substance abuse or, uh, you know, addictions, like not necessarily drugs or anything, but sports. Right. You know, any, anywhere, anybody that gives that affirmation, we're going to be drawn to it. It, it becomes a place to set up idols. Yeah. Really. For idolatry to come in, whether it is um, money, you know, or our, our business yeah, and what we what we do, or it's you know from other other people, other relationships that we seek to to gain that affirmation, and all of it is truly empty. It is empty. I mean, I I, I spent probably the first thirty years of my life trying to prove to my dad that I'm, you know, that I am somebody, that I am uh, worthy or whatever. All through high school, I mean, I had a, I fixed my truck up for truck shows. I had the best stereo, you know, you hear my stereo two miles away, literally. And I had a convertible top. I had the, the ground effects. I had an airbrush bed covered. I had the tilt bed. And I had the velour interior put in. Um, because I was always seeking people's approval. And in high school, I mean, I had to be the best. I was, you know, I had batting champ. I, I was just the best skateboarder. I mean, I was the best at anything that I put my hands to. I, I had to be. And if you were better than me, I was going to do whatever it took to be better well, than me. And there was nothing inherently wrong with any of those things, right? No, of, but of I was doing just, your best. Yeah. But it's why, why are we doing it? Yeah. Yeah, right. I was seeking affirmation. Right. And I'm sure my friends in the high school probably hated me because I wasn't cocky, but I was just, you know, I was just doing it to, you know, get their approval. I had a, what I was going to say is on that truck, I had a license plate that said, do you envy me? This is how dumb is that? <laughs> Praise the Lord for hindsight that we can see 2020 that it probably wasn't the best. Not the best, no. But, but I always, you know, but that's the way I got attention from people because I never got it from my dad. And so that that's my whole point is here's, you have God the Father giving affirmation to Jesus, God the Son. And and the relationship they had, they were just one. Well, and, and it's in a way that's undeniable, yeah. right? That Jesus came up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, and the spirit descending on him. This is so so beautiful. I mean, um, was it? Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses will will fuss about the fact that the word Trinity is nowhere in the scripture, right? right? Absolutely. Yet God reveals himself as Father, Spirit, and Son right here in these verses, right? Because Jesus, the Son, was coming up out of the water and the Spirit descends on him like a dove and a voice came, comes from heaven, yeah. came from heaven. You are my Son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. You know, how, 
how much good would we do to affirm our children mm -hmm. in that way, especially as, as fathers. So we commission you, men of God, yeah. affirm your children. Yeah, yeah. You've got to tell your children what they mean to you, how much you love them, no matter what they've done. Um, you know, because not all of them walk a straight and narrow road. Mm -hmm. Neither do we when we were young. Right. But we love our children. And don't just assume that they know that we love them. Right. Tell them. But this is an audible voice coming from heaven. Yes. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And people heard it. Not yeah. just Jesus, but everybody that was there that day heard it. And uh, another one, of, I don't know if it's Matthew, John, or another Luke. The gospel says, yeah, some heard thundering. Yeah. Right? But it says, when he, when he says, uh, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased, God says, listen to him. Mm. Listen to him. So not only is God affirming Jesus, but he's also affirming to everybody else that, hey, this is the dude. Listen to him. Obey him. Walk with him. No, my, um, oh yeah, this is probably, the next verse, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. Is that where you have immediately? That, yeah. Yeah. And that, we're going to get into that in the next podcast. At once, without delay, immediately, quickly, just then, Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. Yeah, we're going to dig into that because, um, well, we'll just give a, a quick teaser okay. as we end the podcast, but um, people... Now think about this till we get to the next podcast and do something to discuss. But people say all the time, why is God allowing this to happen in my life? Mm -hmm. If God loves me, this wouldn't be happening. I've got somebody in particular in my mind right now that we talk and pray for a lot. As you know, you pretty much know who I'm thinking about. But people say this all the time. But here, here is Jesus, just had this mountaintop experience, just got affirmed by the Father in front of all these people. And he's led to the wilderness to be tested or tempted by Satan. Who led him there? The Spirit. The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. Do we think we're better than Jesus? No. We're not better than Jesus. But here's the Spirit of God leading him to, after this mountaintop experience, Jesus is led to the wilderness by the Spirit of God to be tempted of Satan. So warning, warning, warning if you're in a mountaintop experience. Guess what's coming next? Valley. Oh, <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that crazy, though, to think, well, we talked about it with Elijah, right? Where he goes from that mountaintop experience of seeing fire fall from heaven. He's calling it down on Mount Carmel. And then he goes into this place of deep depression yeah. and running from Jezebel saying, oh, God, kill me. Yeah. Right? Um so he has this amazing affirming experience, but then guess what? You're going to have to put that into, into practice. You're going to go out into a place that is, is dry and desert away from everyone. You're going to go into a time of isolation. But what was the last thing he told you? Right? What was the last thing he said to you? Promises. Right? I've, I've heard that many times in my walk with the Lord. It's like, if, if you're praying and you're asking God for something and you're not hearing anything, what was the last thing he told you? And have you done it? Mm -hmm. If he gave you some direction, mm -hmm. have you walked it out? 
because chances are good he's not going to give you more instruction until you pay attention to that right so how important was it for jesus's ministry and walking forward for him to not only for him to realize okay i'm i'm a son father loves me and he is well pleased with me yeah that is going to sustain him in that time of testing in the desert in that's the wilderness point. remember that next time we mm. do this podcast that's really good mm -hmm. i'm gonna end it with one thing that uh goes along exactly with what you're saying uh i listen to a lot of preachers and podcasts tony evans being one of them that, that I, I love listening to and just in a sermon this week he said people want to get from mountaintop to mountaintop mountaintop to mountain that we want mountaintop experiences you know because that's where we get the goosebumps we get the feels you know you know and we feel like we're you know being blessed by god so we, we look for mountaintop experiences but he said what people don't the, what people forget or don't really realize is there's valleys in between those mountaintops so if you want to get from mountaintop to mountaintop you have to go through the valley And the Spirit of God, right at this mountaintop experience, leads Jesus to the wilderness. Which, by the way, is the name of my business, Anago. That's what this word, when the Spirit leads Jesus to the wilderness, that's where I got that word, Anago. Being Spirit-led. Those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. So let's end it there. Since you say such beautiful prayers, I'm going to ask you to pray again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lord, thank you that you affirm us. Yeah. God, you, you, you look at us and you don't see us in our sin. You see the righteousness of Christ on us. With thank you. Pride. Thank you, Lord. We cry out on the Father. That, that you, in, in a voice from heaven... You say, this is my son, yeah. my daughter. whom I love, and I am well pleased. So, Lord, give us, give us ears to hear that affirmation. Yeah. And may that be the strength and the nourishment that we need to get through the seasons in the wilderness. Yeah. That's good. To go out preaching and teaching about your goodness. May that be what sustains us in the dry and weary land. Thank you, Father, that you said that those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So Holy Spirit, lead us. And may we walk in obedience to your direction, to your leading. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Ground It Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrounditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.